It is great to be back with the Garland Faith Community Seventh-day Adventist Church family. The last time I was here was on Zoom. <laughs> Anybody wouldn't know what Zoom is? <laughs> Anybody not know what it was a year ago? <laughs> Hasn't the world changed? The world still needs Jesus. Still needs Jesus. Just as much as ever, but we have to keep finding ways to share him with other people, don't we? Well, before we get into God's word here for a little bit this morning, I just want to um, thank Pastor Nathan for the invitation to be here at the end of the 10 days of prayer. There's something special that happens when we get together some way, whether it's in person or online, to, um, to pray together, to set aside all of our worries and come and stand before the throne of the, of the king of the universe and just let him take our cares from us and give us a whole new vision, whole new perspective. And like we're learning in the Sabbath school lesson with Isaiah, when Isaiah was there standing before the Lord and feeling so unworthy, an angel was sent with a coal from the altar to touch his lips. We need our lips touched sometimes, don't we? In fact, on a frequent basis, so that he could change from saying, woe is me, I am unclean, to saying, here am I, send me. And that's really what the 10 days of prayer are about as well. So I want to just ask a, a few questions quickly. Has anybody here, we don't have a chance to hear it for everybody, but has anybody here had a divine appointment this last week where you know God had you have a conversation with somebody for the sake of the Lord and for eternity? Anybody? Yeah, right there. Okay, this will help you have more of them. Pastor, would you give this to our sister? All right. Now, let me ask another question. How many of you wish that you could find a way to start conversations for the Lord more easily? Anybody? Okay. Well, let me give you some ways to do that. All right. Here we go. Here are some glow tracks. And if you get one of the packs, it's not just for you, but share a few with the members so that you can give these. And when you hand them, don't give some long explanation. Just say, here's something to brighten your day. I keep them in my pocket. I pull one off the front and one off the back. So I have two titles. And I say, here's something to brighten your day. And if they say, wait a minute, can you pray or can I talk to you? Then you have more opportunity, okay? So here we have three packs in English and one in Spanish, all right? And um, that's another tool for letting our light shine. And then how, another question. How many of you have ever heard of the three angels message of Revelation 14? Would you raise your hands? Okay. How many of you feel like you could explain it simply to somebody else in five minutes or less? <laughs> I see a lot fewer hands going up that second time than the first time. And I want to help you. I want to help you. So at the back on your way out, if you can read, any age, if you can read, you take one of these and it says God's final message, series of 12 Bible studies. Okay? Very simple. In fact, there's just, each one is just a half page front and back. So simple. And it goes phrase by phrase through the three angels' message. Okay? And so I want everybody who can read to take one of those. And what I'm going to encourage you to do is to use this once a week for family worship over the next 12 weeks. 
You've been praying 12 days, uh, 10 days. Now you'll have 12 weeks of good stuff in a family worship. And you pick when to do it as a family. And you will find God make it simple and clear so you can share it with other people. Now, if you want an enhanced part for family worship, then you pick up one of the DVDs. And this DVD has a group of young adults discussing the lesson. And it has some sing-along songs, including some songs written about the three angels' message by a 16-year-old boy in Houston many years ago and finally brought out of the dustbin and put to music that you can sing along, okay? Now, this isn't just to, for, to hand out everywhere. This is for you as a family if you're going to gather together and try to invite another family or two somehow online or in person so that you can use this to maximize this, okay? But this is for everyone, and this is for families who want to be used as a light in their neighborhood and with their friends, okay? You got that picture? And these are at the back, and if we run out, Pastor... I take a quick trip out to the trunk of my car. <laughs> All right. I hate to have people ready for action for the Lord and not have a few tools. All right. One other thing I want to say before we open God's word here is that this spring and fall are going to be some of the greatest times ever for winning souls for Jesus in his final movement. And this spring we're emphasizing volunteer evangelists. And I want you to think of somebody in this church right now. And if you're watching online, I want you to think of somebody in your home that should be a volunteer evangelist. Now, let me explain what that means. That doesn't mean that they stand up here and preach. That means that they get together with some of their friends in a home or a backyard or a, a community center where they can do things properly and they just share the, the message with other people, and we will give scripts and graphics and sermons and training and mentoring to help them succeed in sharing with their friends. So you know who some people in this church are who ought to be volunteer evangelists, right? Right? Okay, you point at them right now so they see you pointing at them. Okay. <laughs> we already have, uh, look at that. I think we have, Pastor, maybe four, maybe six. And I heard about a 10-year-old boy who ought to be one of them. Okay. And I've heard some people who stood up front here who have a very comfortable way of presenting to people who ought to be some of those mess. Yes. And some of you know who I'm talking about. And wherever it could be a, an adventure with an adventure club. It could be some pathfinders with a pathfinder club. It could be a Sabbath school youth group or a Sabbath school class. It could be a women's ministry group, men's ministry. So we could have any of these be volunteer evangelists and it's free and we give you the resources and we train you and you get together with your friends. Okay. So what's your next step? Your next step is to say, here am I, send me Lord. 
And then after that, your next step after that is to say to the pastor, pastor, sign me up. Because only the pastor can sign up a volunteer evangelist, okay? Any Texas pastor can. So if you're visiting from somewhere else and you're going back there in Texas, you go to that pastor, okay? You just find a pastor who will be, you can work under their umbrella, and the pastor will go to this website. You can go there too and find more information, but the pastor will go to this website to sign you up. It's this is real hard to remember, so see if you can memorize it. TexasAdventist.org. You got it so far? Yeah. Slash 2021 evangelism. <laughs> okay? So you see it's pretty simple. And that's where the pastor will go, and he'll look at the menu, and he'll see volunteer evangelists, and he'll click, and he'll start signing you up once you let him know. And there's no limit to how many. There's no limit to how many in a, a church can have. Now, this fall... We plan to have every church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and the Houston area to have a guest evangelist for the week of September 11 to 18. And we cover their travel expenses. And the Southwestern Union gives a grant to help get the word out a little bit. And so if you have names that ought to be considered for the guest evangelist, you let your pastor know too because we want to plan ahead so that they get it on their calendar too. And when they come here, that we'll have a harvest. And on opening night, there'll already be people who are ready to be baptized, okay? You don't wait to the meetings, you do that before, and then you have the meeting. So these are some exciting days to be alive for Jesus. This is not a time to watch the evening news and wring your hands. This is a time to turn off the evening news and kneel down and fold your hands and say, Lord, use me. Here I am. Send me. You got it? Now we get to open God's word and it gets even better. <laughs> All right, let's bow our heads for an added word of prayer. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4, if you would. Luke chapter 4. By the way, those online, if you want to be a part of that volunteer evangelist, you let the pastor know because we could have some online groups as well, okay? So Luke chapter 4, and just a few verses here in Luke 4, verses 42 to 44. And the title of my message is Pray and Obey. Pray and Obey. Another question for you. How many of you can say, I have knowingly led somebody to Jesus and seen them unite with God's final movement here on earth? Would you raise your hands? Okay, a few of you. How many of you would like to be able to say that by the end of 2021? Would you raise your hands? Amen. Pastor, something's going to happen here. I tell you, something's going to happen. So, timid Timothy was like those who hope that God will use him. But he was timid. He was a good, conscientious Seventh-day Adventist. He talked to the Lord. He studied his Bible. He participated in 10 days of prayer. He just really wanted God to use him. But he was scared to death to say anything or do anything for Jesus. Because he didn't know what other people would be thinking of him. And he had never knowingly led anybody to Jesus and into his final movement. But he had prayed, dear Lord, if there's ever anybody who's interested, then um, make it clear to me and I'll try to say something for you. 
If, if there's anyone who's interested. He'd forgotten that verse that says the harvest is great. <laughs> so there he was on an airplane boarding and sat down. He'd been sitting there as the other passengers came on. And a man came in and sat down beside him, looked over with tears streaming down his face. And the man said, I don't know what to do with my life. My wife has left me. My children hate me. My boss has fired me. My father is dying. The doctor says my health condition is terrible. Do you have anything you can help me with? And timid Timothy bowed his head and said, Lord, could this be an opportunity? <laughs> but he might be affluent and postmodern and secular. And I would never want to force my religion down his throat. And so timid Timothy said, it'll get better and turn the other way. You don't want to be timid Timothy. You want to have an answer for the hope that's in you. You have been praying. Now we need to obey the great commission. We must do it. It's not optional. Luke 4, verse 42 and onward. And when it was day, he, Jesus, departed and went into a deserted place. Why did Jesus go to the deserted place? To pray. Yes, there is a time to pray. Jesus went to a deserted place to pray. John the Baptist preached in a deserted place. Jesus was tempted in a deserted place. The 5,000 families were fed in a deserted place. Jesus took the 12 after they'd come back from their mission to a deserted place so that they could talk. Revelation 12 tells us that the woman, the church, God's true church, would be in hiding in a deserted place for 1,260 prophetic days or literal years. And at the very, very end of time, we will need to be in deserted places. But not now. Now is the time to let our light shine. We do need a deserted place in the morning, time in the morning at the beginning of every day, seeking Jesus through Bible study and prayer. But we come from that place on fire to share Jesus with everybody we see. You see, that's why we have that deserted place. There is a time to pray, 10 days of prayer, but there is a time to evangelize. Let's continue. And the last part of verse 42. And the crowd sought Jesus. Jesus had gone out there for prayer, time with his father. And the crowd went looking for him. We need Jesus. And tried to keep him from leaving them. Did you get that? So, Jesus, you, you went, ran away. We want you. And he says, well, I, I have a mission. No, 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 no. No, you stay here. You stay here with us. Pastor, we're comfortable in this church. Let's not go out there. This is a safe place where we can gather now that we got our COVID guidelines in place. Go. Go. So there's a time to pray. And there's a time to evangelize. Verse 43, but Jesus said to them, I must preach 
the kingdom of God to the other cities also. Because for this purpose, I've been sent. We, as God's final movement, have been sent to this world for this purpose. To not just get comfortable one place, but to go wherever we live, wherever we work, wherever we study. And on beyond that, to take the gospel to other places. Jesus said, I must... That word day in Greek shows up when he says, it's required by God if I'm going to be faithful. I must. But there's a problem with that next word, I must preach. In verse 44, it says he was preaching. In verse 43, it says I must preach. But those are two very different words in Greek. In verse 43, he says, I must evangelize. Evangelizo in Greek. I must tell the good news. I must evangelize, tell the good news of the kingdom to other cities. And then in verse 44, he says, and he was preaching in the synagogues in Galilee. And that's Caruso, which is actually what we're doing right now. Preaching, preaching. So what does this mean? It means that there are. We must evangelize, but there are lots of ways to evangelize. So, for example, there's a time to pray. There's a time to evangelize. When the disciples met in the upper room, the 120 on the day of Pentecost, they prayed together for, for 10 days of all things. And then they went to work for Jesus for the rest of their lifetime. There's a time to pray. There's a time to obey by evangelizing. And then we begin seeing the day of Pentecost and 3,000 baptized. And then a few chapters later in the book of Acts, we see that the church grew to 5,000. And, and then it just men and women and priests and others were joining. And it wasn't just so that we could have them all in our congregation. It was so that the gospel could go to all the world in their lifetime. That was what it was about, taking the gospel there. And yet the people said, Jesus, please stick around here. We love having you around. And he basically said, you can have me around if you go out to work for me and, and other people. You'll sense my presence more. He says, I must evangelize. So there's a time to evangelize. There are lots of ways to evangelize. And one of them is preaching like Jesus did in verse 44. But it says he preached in the synagogues in Galilee. Why did he go to the synagogues? Because he knew there were receptive people in those synagogues. Go where you can find the most receptive people. Okay? Now, everybody needs to hear the gospel. But don't go to fruit that isn't ripe and say, ripen, ripen, ripen. Instead, go to the fruit that is ripe and say, hey, come, invite, come to Jesus. And if it comes off in your hand, it's ripe. If you keep yanking on it, it'll come off in your hand and it'll rot and it'll ruin some of the other fruit. So go where people are ripe and evangelize however God has gifted you, whether it's preaching or some other way. Is that making sense? So let me just give you a few examples. A few days ago, as in two days ago, I was on the phone and here was a mom with three little kids. The oldest is eight. And she says, where we're at, everything's shut down around us. 
but I want to share Jesus. And I said, well, what are some ways that God's putting on your heart? And she said, well, actually, I had the most beautiful experience a year ago. And I said, what was that? And she said, out of the blue, my father called up and I had not seen him since I was five years old. And he said, I'm dying and I want to meet my children and grandchildren. And I'm sorry for a life that was wrecked. Does that sound like ripe fruit? She said he lived way up in Pennsylvania. But we were able to arrange a trip up there. And as he was lying in his bed dying, he just had his little grandchildren that got close to this grandfather they'd never known. And he said, this is so wonderful. I've wasted my life. And then this mom of three kids said, I was just impressed. I need an offer to tell him more about Jesus in the Bible. And yet, how do you say that to this dad who abandoned you? And she said, I prayed a prayer. And I said, Dad, I want to tell you about Jesus and what he's really like and what the Bible teaches. And he said, I'd really like that. And she said, I had a chance to study with him by phone. And I had a chance to go back to Pennsylvania when he was baptized a few weeks before he died. So you moms, you think you can't get out because you're with kids? Look at what God used for that, how God used that mom right there. And then I think of Dennis and Debbie. They'd never really had the benefit of having a lot of an education, but they wanted to live for Jesus. And they prayed, and this was a number of years ago before COVID hit us. And God impressed him. There are people in nursing homes who are dying for a visit from anybody. Their family never comes to see him. But you can go there. And they thought, well, can we? They went to a nursing home, a little hesitant, talked to the people at the desk. Could you use anybody um, like us going to visit people? Oh, we need a hundred of you. Come on in. And they began to go room to room to see if anybody wanted a visit. Those that wanted a visit, they'd just get acquainted with them. And they'd share a few Bible promises and what Jesus meant to them. And one day they told me as their pastor, Pastor, there is a man in his 40s in a wheelchair. He had a serious accident. He's in the nursing home. We've gotten to know him. We've shared with him all that we know about Jesus and the Bible truths for this day. He wants to be a Seventh-day Adventist, but he can never leave the nursing home. I said, you don't have to come to a church building to become part of this movement. We'll go to you. Didn't Jesus say go? And so a group of us from the church on a Sabbath afternoon went to that nursing home. And we surrounded Dyke, his name, together. And we sang songs of praise and other residents were listening in. We told them, you can become a part of this family too if you want to be. If you want to surrender to Jesus, you can too. We sang songs, we prayed together, and we went through the baptismal vows. And in a little tub there, in that nursing home, he is baptized and he united with the Seventh-day Adventist movement. Dennis and Debbie thought, we don't have much education, we don't know what we can do, but they prayed and asked God what they could do, and God gave them the idea of going to a nursing home. Do you realize when this COVID thing subsides, there are going to be thousands of people in nursing homes who have been dying for a visit from anybody. That's your chance. Look for ripe people. Jesus said, 
I'm going to go to where I know there, I'm going to find receptivity. Then I think of Eric and Dara that live right up here in Wiley, Texas. I got, a, got acquainted with them on a Zoom Bible study because they'd watched, it is written, John Bradshaw preaching Hope Awakens this spring. And I was on the, leading the Bible study and they gave their hearts to the Lord. And a few months ago, I drove up here to Wiley and baptized Eric in his swimming pool. Because he couldn't get out. Because his wife, Dara, is in a wheelchair and she has multiple sclerosis. But she'd already been baptized once, so we brought her in on profession of faith. And he, there are members now at the Richardson Seventh-day Adventist Church, even though they've never been to the building. Okay? And Pastor Byron there is connecting other people with him, so they're getting connected. But whenever we'd have a Bible study, I'd say, do you see this Bible truth? Yes. Do you embrace this? Yes. Who are you going to share it with? That's the, that's the obey the gospel commission part. Who are you going to share it with? And Eric says, well, I work from home here, so I can't get out much except for groceries and to get pharmacy things for my wife. And Dara said, I can't leave because if I get sick, it's over for me with my underlying health conditions. And I said, pray about who you can share it with and God will show you a way. A few weeks later, we're on our Bible study. I'm <clears throat> just getting started. I say, okay, have you seen God at work this week? Eric said, I have a story to tell you. I said, I love to hear stories. What's happening? He said, I went to the pharmacy and I'm standing in line, social distance to get medication for my wife. And there was a guy, and this is back, he's telling me the story in October, by the way, just to get your sequence in your mind. He says, there's a guy standing six feet in front of me and he turns around and blurts out for everybody in the line to hear, what do you think of all this political stuff? I think this and this and this and this and this. And Eric said, a month ago, I would have just dived right in and we would have gone round and round and round right down the tubes. But Jesus has been changing my heart. And I don't see people as this political persuasion or that or this or that. And he said, I just stood there and I let him wind down. And when he wound down, I said, you know what everybody needs? And he said, what does everybody need? And Eric said, everybody needs Jesus. And the guy looked at him and said, that's right. Who are you? <laughs> and Eric said, Pastor Dan, you kept talking to us about glow tracks, so we ordered some online, but you told us they don't do any good unless they're on you. And as soon as he said, who are you? I felt them burning in my pocket. <laughs> And so I took out some glow tracks and I held them out and I said, check this out. <laughs> and he held them and took them right there. And he says, yes, but you go to a church. And Eric says, of course, we can't go to church. You know, he's saying to himself, but he said, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. And the guy says, wow, my grandfather was a Seventh-day Adventist. <laughs> and what would have been a conversation going down, down, down became a conversation of encouragement building up, up, up toward the Lord. You see, as God is having us pray, he wants us to obey the gospel commission. And I said, God bless you, Eric. And then Dara, sitting in her wheelchair, said, I have a story. I said, I want to hear your story. She said, Pastor Dan, I was praying about 
How can you use me, God? I want to be used. You're changing me. I want this for other people. But I, and I've started getting in touch with other people that I knew and trying to get them involved. But then last night, I overheard the news in the other room. And there was a woman down in South Dallas. And she was being interviewed by the local news. And she was weeping. And she said, this COVID is destroying us and our family. The doctors tell me if I get it, I'm dead. And my husband lost his job. And we don't have any money. And I'm trying to make some burritos to, to sell to get a little bit of money. But I don't know what to do. And our life is a wreck. She said, I heard him interviewing her on the news. And I thought, she needs Jesus. She sounds ripe for Jesus. And so I prayed and said, Lord, help me. And then I did something I've never done before in my life. I contacted the TV station and I said, can you get me in touch with that lady you just interviewed? And they did. And I'm becoming friends by phone with Blanca. And I called her up and I said, Blanca, I heard your, your story on the news. And she began crying again. And then she went on and on and on again. And I listened and then I said to her, I don't have all the answers, but Jesus does. And he cares about you. And you're not going to take this journey alone because I'm going to be your friend all along this journey. I heard this past week, a number of months later, after that conversation in October, that Blanca just got out of the hospital and she survived. And she says, now more than ever, she told Dara, Eric's wife, now more than ever, I need to study the Bible. The Lord has spared my life for a reason. You know, God can use every one of us in a thousand ways. Just simple, simple ways. And I know, Pastor, we have communion, so I don't want to take too much longer. But can I tell one or two more stories as we wrap it up? Okay, I hear another. I hear a second. <laughs> All in favor. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Okay, so I believe that the baptistry needs to be filled at least every three months. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody's ready, but it means that we better be looking to see who is ready so that we can have them ready. And that we also need to make sure that the, it works. It works. We had one, we had one, one church where um, they fill up the baptistry. Well, they'd used it for storage instead of a baptistry. Finally, they cleaned out the storage and they fill it up to test it out. And all the water ran into the children's Sabbath schools because it had gotten damaged there. So we need to fill it up every three months. And then we need to pray that God will use us to find some of these right people and gather them in and to, to baptize. So we had a baptism where I was pastoring and at the end of the baptism, I said, some of you who have been watching know you need to be baptized in the near future. And we will help you get ready. Uh, we're, Jesus is the one who said, follow me, and he was baptized. So we'll help you get ready. And there's a young man, 24 years old, who came up to the front afterwards, said, Pastor, I need to be baptized. The Lord convicted me. I said, praise the Lord. And if there are any of you here, physically present or watching online that need to be baptized. We can help you. The pastor, the church leaders will help you. We'll help you get ready for that baptism to make it what God wants it to be. And 
he said, I need to be baptized. And in my early days as a pastor, I did all the Bible studies. And all the church would watch me and say, go, pastor, go, as I'd burn out. <laughs> Until I realized God called all of us to be involved. Total member involvement. People say, well, that's not my gift, giving Bible studies. Well, do you love the Bible? Well, yeah, I love the Bible. Uh, do you find things in it that are worth sharing? Yeah, I, I do. Do you think people would benefit by hearing that? Well, yeah, yeah, but not. Oh, okay, Pastor. <clears throat> so we developed a plan called the Baptism Coach. So here's this young man, Corey, 24, convicted, needs to be baptized. I said, Corey, do you know anybody in this church who could be your baptism coach? You see, instead of me grabbing it and running with it, I said, do you know anybody in this church who could be your baptism coach? And he says, well, yeah, my, my grandma, Clara. And he pointed to the lobby, and there was Sister Clara. I knew her. She was like timid Timothy. She was, she was so shy, and she was an elderly, sweet, dedicated, love the Lord lady who had never knowingly led anybody to Jesus and seen him baptized. But here is her grandson asking to be prepared for baptism. And he points saying she could be his baptismal coach. And he points to the lobby. And I look out there in the lobby and there's Sister Clara like this. Well, I can't read minds, but I have a feeling I knew what she's praying about. My grandson is talking to the pastor after the baptism. I said, let's ask her. So we walked together right out there to the lobby. And as soon as Sister Clara finished praying, she looked up and there we were in her face. And, she said, and I said, Sister Clara, your grandson, Corey, has made his decision to follow Jesus and be baptized and unite with his final movement. Oh, I've been praying for this ever since he was born. And I said, he wants you to be his baptism coach. Oh, oh, I don't know what, I don't know what I would do. And I said, I'll give you the three minute training. <laughs> Sometimes we want the, the three hour or the three week or the three year training to put off having to do anything, okay? So I said, I'll give you the three minute training. Oh, okay, okay. So Cora and his grandma Clara and I walked over to the Bible study racks there were the amazing facts lessons, 1 to 14, as the foundational preparation. And I took lesson 1 and 2, and I said, Corey, are you serious about wanting to follow Jesus for the rest of your days? And he said, I am. And I said, praise the Lord. We have an eight-week plan that if you are faithful and focused, in eight weeks we'll baptize you. None of this wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. We want an eight-week plan. Some people say that's a lot longer than the Ethiopian eunuch. I know it is, but we feel like that's a good plan. Eight weeks. So, so I said, Corey, the plan is this. Here's lesson one and two. You're going to do two of these lessons a week for seven weeks. That's 14 lessons. And then the eighth week will confirm and clarify and finalize everything. And I, he said, okay. And I said, they're very simple. You open it up and you just say, Lord, show me your truth and help me to follow it. 
And God will. And then you start reading and there's a question. There are Bible verses. You can look up in your own Bible if you want. There are comments. You go through the lesson and at the end is a quiz on the back. Do the quiz. Do two lessons a week. And then once a week, you get together with your grandma and you just review the quiz. You study on your own because you're learning how to live for Jesus. And then you have her be your coach to review the quiz together. You got that? And he said, yeah. And so I take another lesson one and two and I give it to Grandma Clara. And I said, Sister Clara, you heard what Corey's doing? Yes. You better stay ahead of him. You better anticipate what questions. And then when you get together with them, you look and you review that quiz. And if you have any questions, you look back in the lesson itself. And if you can't find the two of you can't find the answer in the lesson, you know who you call? One of the church board members. That's why they're church board members. We want all of them involved in this, helping mentor it. OK, and so and of course, they'll call me desperate and then I'll coach them through it. But then. I said, you got that? Yeah, I got that, Pastor. And then I took a third lesson one and two, and who did I give it to? I give it to Corey, the young man. I say, Corey, whenever God is waking up someone like you, he's waking up someone near you too. And so as you're studying, you take lessons and you ask God, who should I give this to? And you encourage them to study too. And occasionally they will jump on board and they'll be baptized with you. And we looked at the date for the baptism two months out, eight weeks later. And eight weeks later, I baptized Corey and guess who was beaming the brightest? Sister Clara, Grandma Clara had now knowingly helped somebody come to Jesus and seen him unite with the church. And it wasn't because she'd been to seminary. It's because she was willing to love people and look for ripe fruit. Friends, you can do this. God can use you in simple ways. Pray and then obey the gospel commission. There's a time to pray, there's a time to evangelize, and when we go after evangelizing, just use whatever God's given you and look for ripe fruit. Look for ripe fruit. And you volunteer evangelists, God's gonna help you build a small team of friends to work together to find that ripe fruit so you have some people to make decisions. And this fall, their friends and their relatives might be ready because you brought them in this spring. And the ripple effect goes on and on so that we can truly say, praise the Lord. And then we can move on to the next town and city like Jesus did, spreading the good news so that the world will be ready when Jesus comes again. I just want to ask you right now, as we prepare to take the emblems, Jesus died for us. If you were the only person on earth, he would have come for you. Would it come for you? There is, if there's only one person in your world, you pass on the good news to them. He let his body be broken, his blood spilled. But he also said, I'm not going to drink this grape juice again until we do it together when we're celebrating in the kingdom. So find everybody you can. Start with the ripe people and keep inviting Keep inviting to Jesus, into his word, show them kindness, 
bring them along so that Jesus, when he comes again, and we're flying to meet him in the air, we look around and they're saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's pray. Eternal Father in heaven, help us to pray and obey. Help us, Lord, to go to that deserted place each morning with you and to go out from that deserted place to evangelize. Open our eyes to see the ripest fruit around us. Help us to get over ourselves and say a good word for you and invite people to you and into your word and into your final movement as rapidly as we can. In Jesus' name, amen.